UK Motor Talk. A random selection of road tests at the SMMT Regional Test Day 2021. Well, here we are again. Uh, one of the great uh, joys for us, uh, the various uh, SMMT, Society Motor Manufacturers and Traders, test days. This particular one being their country jaunt from uh, Oakley Hall Hotel, which is down near Basingstoke. Yes, it's not Basingstoke. Fortunately, it's in the country near Basingstoke. You might even be able to hear the birds. And yes, you can probably hear in the background. It's, I mean, it's set in some beautiful parkland. And uh, it, more to the point, it's got a number of car parks. And this particular one is fairly full of cars. I should think it's about a third full at the moment, with most of the cars actually out with journalists who are doing exactly what we're doing, coming here to play with some of the new cars. It's interesting diversity. Most car manufacturers are here. Most have bought electric and or hybrid models. So there's a real, real mix of things to try and most are fairly new to the marketplace. So what are you looking forward to, Andrew? Oh, crikey. Is it, I can see a uh, Focus ST from here. That's one that uh, somehow we've managed to avoid thus far, but uh, that'll be popular. So we might not get into that one. But I'm particularly looking forward to the fact that there's all these nice country roads around here because it is actually quite a good test track. It's, you know, in a, what, half hour, 45 minute long. If you go out and about, you have a little bit of uh, villagey town driving. You have country roads. So a few nice long straights to see what the cars can do. But find it all too easily hits the speed limit. And, uh, of course, you back off again. <laughs> but it is rather more, as you say, more real world uh, test driving, if you like, the, than, oh, is, yes. yeah. than is Millbrook, which is, which is a slightly artificial situation. You get more cars uh, at Millbrook, I think, than, uh, than they're available here. But, you know, what, what would we say? There's 50, 60 cars here across the, the manufacturers and across the, the various types. Yeah, this does seem to be a good variety. I mean, again, next to the ST is the uh, Mustang, which, of course, Jim and Mike will tell you all about, so we don't have to do that one. Uh, I can see a Peugeot flashing its lights at us, which uh, suggests something else in country car parks normally. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, just just anything you like, really. Volvos, a pickup, an Isuzu pickup next to us. The... uh, bright green uh, Vauxhall Mocha that I uh, drove at uh, Millbrook. So the question is really, do you take out the same car you drove at Millbrook to see how different it is in the real world, or do you avoid them and uh, try something new? Yeah, I, well, I, I sort of fall into the latter. I mean, I like to try to uh, see what's there and get a feel for, for what's there. I, I'm sort of a bit tempted. I'm, I'm normally not a great Porsche fan, but uh, there are one or two here that... Uh, Maybe it's time I reacquainted myself with the brand, so maybe we'll think about doing that with the, with the Cayman. Or... I thought it was more the Fiat 500 you were looking at. Well, the, the, <laughs> yes, the Fiat 500. That's very a, similar car. That's a slightly better budget fit, but a very, very different car. But then, you know, that, that suggests the sort of the diversity of the cars that are available to us. But I, I don't know why this year there seem to be more pickup trucks. Probably 10, 15 years ago I could have identified maybe a Jaguar or a Mercedes, but they all seem to be now a little bit of the same sort of mould, which is a shame. So I think they're all beginning to lose their identity and becoming a little bit homogenised in a sense. They're all coming out of one mould. It's Audi e-tron that's just pulled up. What do you think of that? It, to me, it just, you know, without the sign saying it's Audi, it's, uh, you know, Audi. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That'll upset them. <laughs> Yeah, without the sign saying it's an Audi, it's, uh, it just looks like every other car, the shape. So I'm sorry, it's maybe just me, but I just think we need to get back to a little bit of individuality. I mean, obviously, it's comfort and it's safety we're looking for, but we do need, you know, come on on these designers, some individuality. Whoops. <laughs> we, we step back as Jono uh, tries to park an Isuzu on our feet. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 I, I think there's truth in the fact that there is... Uh, Less diversity than... It's, it's got a camera, so I could see I wasn't... <laughs> you weren't going through it, that the was the important thing. Yeah. <laughs> the brands are less distinctive than they once were. If it weren't for the badges on the front, and even some of those start to look alike. Anyway, I think we should... Time we went and played with some motor cars and see whether they're 
as good, bad or otherwise as, uh, as previously reported. I've got uh, my eye on, I think we're going to try and jump into first uh, one of the latest Lexus. Lexus UX300E. Well, it's the first Lexus I've driven for quite a few years. I seem to have missed a, a generation or two. And uh, driving them in the, the sort of 90s when they were widely regarded as the poor man's Mercedes. Uh, and there's something different now. They, they, rather than sort of attempting to clone German technology, they've, you know, they've become a bit more uh, Far Eastern. Um, and that reflects in the look of the car, which is perhaps a little bit more angular than I like, but it is sort of reminiscent of uh, current Hondas and Toyotas and rather sort of spaceshipy design, a bit hard-edged for my taste, but there we are, these things are very personal. But So, so when, you, when you say Far Eastern, is that a good thing or a bad thing these days? Oh, not a bad thing at all. It's a simple uh, reflection of that is the way of the world, uh, and that is where most of our cars come from these days. So the companies are owned much more in that direction, aren't they? Quite so. Uh, even the companies that we think are English are. But, you know, that, that's the way the industry has developed. Um, but what of, what of the, the Lexus? This is the all-electric. Very impressed with it so far. I mean, it really is very smooth and it does give you uh, quite a kick if you um, want to uh, accelerate quite hard, but this is basically the, the trade-off is that the harder you kick it, the less far you can kick it. Almost like any other car. Well, quite so. I think it was 47,000, did I see? 47 and a bit. Yeah, it's, that's actually quite a lot of car for the for the money. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a bit spacey inside, very well equipped, very well finished. So this is the UX300E, so this is the all-electric, so one is constantly thinking, where can you charge it? You know, this is, it's the same argument as has been the case for some years now, come out of the way, pheasant. Um, it is perfect if you do very short distances, uh, less perfect if you do long distances, unless you're confident you can find charging points that actually function on your route. And as we're hearing increasingly in newspapers and uh, on the media recently, um, too many, far too many uh, charging points are in fact not functioning. I mean, the, the spec sheet, they're telling me that it's going to take eight and a quarter hours to uh, charge if you have a 32 amp charging but on a normal 13 amp charger 19 hours so probably not an overnight in that sense is it uh no it certainly isn't if it's 19 hours as a recharge on a, on a domestic uh, uh charging like point a normal plug as I yeah think. which is which is the norm you know what was it a 32 amp there aren't too many houses that have a 32 amp not that many industrial units that have a 32 <laughs> amp but 19 hours is 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 quite a long time quick charge it says 50, which I presume is minutes rather than hours, uh, but that's 125 amps. They're giving us it in amps rather than in kilowatts or whatever, which is a bit mm. odd, but anyway. Um, and yeah, the range on... Well, it depends how big your wheels are, according to this, 17 or 18 inches, uh, either 196 or 190 miles. So not, not outrageous, but not terribly bad either. No, it's, it's somewhere in the sort of the median point of... Uh, where we're at with with ranges now um, most would be wanting to claim 200 plus 250 yeah this is a bit of a surprise that uh, that it's as poor as it is well, I guess it's a relatively large heavy car and perhaps not taking up a huge amount of space with batteries I mean it is a big solid car it drives very well it's extremely comfortable uh, very good suspension, very good steering. All of those, as you would hope, really. All of those things that you would expect. Um, but uh, that, that range doesn't make it exactly a grand tour, does it? Volvo V60 B5. Well, this is the Volvo V60, and we're back to uh, slightly more conventional motoring, or what has historically been more conventional, because this is... Uh, petrol powered and uh, pretty nippy uh, 
as a Volvo owner, um, this is something we haven't driven for a while, but in fact I'm not driving, Andrew is. Your sense of it, first thoughts? Yeah, it's not terribly, terribly exciting, I'm afraid. It, yes, it accelerates, which is all fine, but it, the engine just doesn't seem to be, I don't know, is it visceral, is that the right word? It's, it's revving well, but connected to a gearbox that doesn't really sort of, perhaps it's not meant to be sporty by any sense of the imagination, but uh, an automatic box that's always in the wrong gear, as a lot of them are. Yeah, it's, it's slightly surprising, this car, because it's not where Volvo's going. You know, Volvo is committed to being all-electric by, what was it, 2030? They won't offer any conventionally fuelled models whatsoever, and they're moving quite swiftly towards that. So this is this is slightly a throwback in, uh, in Volvo terms. Perhaps they have a factory full of engines somewhere that, uh, I suspect, like a lot of manufacturers, they're... Uh going through a backlog and uh, I mean a lot of the cars here today aren't particularly technologically advanced are they I mean a lot of them are just uh, petrols and diesels even if they do have a little motor strapped to them as well I don't know whether this is sort of reflection of uh, where the market is actually at because although it's being talked up the 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 electric revolution and so on and so on and so on uh, and we get bombarded with it non-stop but in fact what are we looking at across the entirety of Europe, something like 13-14% uh, of current sales are electric cars or hybrids um, and in the UK it's, it's slightly higher with um, slightly greater numbers of the hybrids. People still uh, are um, reluctant to go fully electric for the, the reasons we've discussed at some leisure over the years. Well, certainly I think, although I'm normally driving rather than the front seat passenger, but the seat's definitely slightly harder, and also noticeably, I mean, I've not got particularly long legs, but noticeably they're quite short in the squab. Um, you've got some knee overhang, I think, Andrew. I've got some knee overhang, so um, perhaps the seats are... It's, it's like they're trying to squeeze the proverbial quart into a pint pot. Uh, something slightly shorter than the uh, earlier generations of V60s and V70s but with more squeezed into it. I suspect like most of the Volvo things is that uh, the size of the car on the outside stays the same but the doors get an inch thicker each time and you're more and more and more protected and of course like most seats when you talk about the overhang and things I should think after half an hour of fiddling with all the adjustments you might make yourself comfortable. Well, that much is true, but you, you can't um, substitute a lack of length. Um, there's a subject, as they say. As they say, there's <laughs> a subject to be discussed there, but it's a separate subject. Um, I mean, there's lots that I like about the interior, but then I'm a Volvo owner, so... I mean, what, what do you I'm, think I'm about easy this pushover. big tablet thing in the middle? The big screens... beyond your comprehension? <laughs> uh, beyond my comprehension, certainly that is the case. Is it something that I like? No. Uh, I'm afraid not, but um, there's a sort of inevitability about it, isn't there? You know, these vast display panels. Are, um, uh, I've owned TVs that have been smaller than this, but there are lots of things I do like about the, the car. Has this one got the heads up? I'm not sure whether it has or not. Well, I do like the heads up that they do offer in some of the models. And minor details, I notice the headrest fold is entirely automated. Uh, I have to pull on a piece of, uh, of uh, cloth to make the headdress fold on mine. I suppose that's a progress of some sort. Um, but in terms of load space, it's considerably smaller than the V70s. But then, of course, they were considerably smaller than the previous 90s. So um, the world moves on and perhaps people don't need as much load space. But then that's generally what people buy Volvos for, isn't it? Or isn't it? Particularly estates. But then there's the, a lot of people buy estates now because, I don't know, they, 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 they like the sort of sport back look. Uh, never particularly understood it, but there we are. So what do you think of the back seat ride? Uh, yeah, the back seat's um, it's pretty comfortable. I like the, the sort of lower seat 
going down more it just gives me a bit more depth and the lovely sort of rest for my arm and you've got your nice coffee cup somewhere to keep the coffee which is good because we're always looking in a car where we're going to put the coffee trying to balance it on bits of arms and this has got a really nice wide tray um, for you to even have a, a plate or something as well which is nice not on these roads you don't <laughs> um, one of the things I do like about the Volvo is it's great for long journeys and really that's what they're built for I think is long journeys rather than short uh, for the comfort to echo that I, I certainly think this is a car like most Volvos that you'd be uh, comfortable doing quite long European distances in um, but we're not uh, doing long distances here we're on a very very twisty road what do you think of it uh, yeah we've just done that, that very twisty section there and again that gearbox just always seems to be in the wrong gear and I don't, don't know whether it's I mean if, if you actually just sort of feather the accelerator it sort of slides into the right gear whereas you've not got that vaguely sporty feel to it we got onto a straight section it's hit 60 quite happily without even blinking and uh, yeah it's quite quiet in here as well isn't it that I don't think we're getting that feel of an engine that's doing anything no it's very well damped it's very, it's very little cabin noise um, I don't know whether there is a sport mode on the box uh, I can't it's I No, they're, they're about they're about surviving collisions with moose. So what's what's this is the plural of moose mice? I don't know something like that. We're on comfort for everyday use. Right, let's try. Oh, it's gone away. Oh, it didn't yeah, like it that. <laughs> it didn't like that at all. Yeah, see if the passenger's struggling today, what chance has the driver got? <laughs> right, we're on dynamic. Right, that probably just means that it won't change up gear until uh, no. it hits about 7,000 rounds. Well, having a play with this uh, screen full of options, we, we find the uh, drive modes, and uh, we do have a number. It's very, very difficult to actually, even me as a passenger, to um, hit these buttons these touch screens accurately um, that's an enormous hole there you could go potholing in there uh, so the drive modes are oh, I'll give up oh there we are eco comfort individual or personal driving preferences um, well I wanted to have a V8 no this this is the dynamic the sporty option, is it sportier? Uh, yes, I'm very glad we found that mode now. It is, I mean, everything's firmed up a bit. The uh, actual steering feels a lot firmer. The engine you can hear has that slightly more deep roar to it, whether that's uh, just because it's holding on to the gears that little bit longer, or whether because it, it has actually done something different. I don't know, we'll have to read up on that perhaps. But yes, it's a, a much more immersive experience because you do feel like you're uh, really properly driving a more interesting car. I did sort of wonder whether uh, in, in, in changing the driving modes that just made it sportier but clearly it's, uh, it's, it's stiffened up the suspension, uh, it's adapted the gearbox uh, and uh, weighted up the steering uh, as well so it, it, it's a whole different experience. It's still very difficult to hit the touch screen though and and as a driver I would find that very frustrating um, particularly as uh, it's one of those things that might be best on the steering wheel rather than on a touch screen that you've got to look down at but there we are that's a largely personal preference. Again it might be something that reading up you'll find that you can do certain things but I don't think you should be doing these things while you're driving to be honest. I think you, you should set it and go. But I mean, why it needs four different modes, it would be interesting to know if you're suddenly getting only three miles to the gallon or something because we put it into this other mode, and whether it makes such a big difference. Because I think having just nice stiff suspension and things for most roads around here are probably fine. 
apart from that big bump we went through, <laughs> which wasn't so good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting that I would have thought that uh, it would have handled that fairly large pothole uh, slightly better than it than it, it did. Didn't notice it in the Lexus. So we will go back into comfort mode. It might be in my imagination, but it does seem a little bit more wallowy just doing that. Yeah, it, it does. I get the sense that it is slightly softer, but you know, the, 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 the change is not that dramatic. Or maybe it's not that dramatic if you're coming from, from the more performance option into uh, the uh, more everyday driving mode. Well, we're here at the SMMT test day at uh, this wonderful... Oakley Hall Hotel, and I'm standing here talking to Mike Hawes, Chief Executive of the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders, the organisers of this, but of course all the cars provided by uh, your many, many members. Your many, many members who have been having a bit of a difficult time just lately. The numbers are sort of down again. When are we going to see the pickup in the market? People are trying to talk it up. Yeah, I, I think it's about talking up. It's this is really a supply issue we're seeing at the moment, and you know, having got through as a country, and we're not, not out of the woods yet on COVID, and all the constraints we had with lockdowns and so forth, we were hopeful for a more positive second half of the year. But what we're seeing is because there's a global shortage of semiconductors, which is a critical component in a vehicle. That's been constrained. It's meant you know the inability of global manufacturers to make the vehicles in the quantities they want to supply the demand that's there. So this is going to take a while to go through. So it's probably going to be affect the market for the rest of this year and potentially into 2022. But this is this is not a, a Brexit effect. I think no. we're still seeing some Brexit effect within Europe as well, which is compounding those problems. No, this is a COVID issue, um, both in terms of supply going back from last year when semiconductor manufacturers. Yeah transferred their production if you like away from vehicles because they expected the market to be really depressed into personal electronics everyone was in lockdown what were you buying you're buying your xboxes your ps2s your phones your televisions they all have chips uh, automotive vehicles also have chips so this is a covid issue and what we've got the problem now is that as covid cases rises in countries like malaysia and vietnam and korea which make a lot of these chips their ability to produce them is constrained that flows through to production flows through to the market flows through to the dealership which can't get the vehicles and the supply they need no certainly the, I, i'm hearing from dealers that uh, we have regular conversations with that they just can't satisfy the demand there is um, but <laughs> i suppose the fact that there is the demand there is is good news for them absolutely and you know we are as you will well know seeing extraordinarily high used car prices now that's a product of two two reasons one if you know, people can't buy a new car, they're not trading in their old, which goes into the used market. Uh, and secondly, the you know that level of demand, you know, if you can't get a new car, well, I will buy a second-hand car because I can get it now rather than waiting six months. So inflating prices, actually quite good for the dealer network in terms of their profitability, but less good for the manufacturers who are just struggling to get the volumes they need to meet demand. So what's the sort of turnaround on this then, Mike? I mean, what's your expectation of, of when things are going to work themselves out. We're we looking middle of 22, yeah, early 23. The, the problems are probably most acute now and going into the fourth quarter. Things will begin to improve, I think, in 2022, and you'll see a bit more um, more of a settling down. But this is going to be an issue that runs through uh, next year. You've got to remember, the average car has something like 1,500 chips in, controlling all sorts of things. You know, most obviously, the sort of infotainment that you have and so forth, but controlling a lot of the other functions of the vehicle. So it is a critical element of the car, and you can't make the car without all those chips. So getting that supply, absolutely important, but it's going to take a while to resolve. Okay, well, we, we hope, and uh, certainly all of our dealers will uh, be hopeful that the market will sort itself out. We have the further confusion of we don't know quite where we're going with uh, all electrics and hybrids and, 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 and so on, and whether the government will um, in, enforce its targets when we get to 2030, 35. It will. We have no expectation of anything other than an end of sale of petrol and diesel, conventional petrol and diesel 2030, a degree of hybridization will be allowed through the 2035. Everyone will be carbon zero by 2035, all the brands. That's going to happen. The issue is how quickly can we get there? 
Um, for that, that's about vehicle manufacturers putting the vehicles on the market, making them as affordable as possible, recognizing it's new technology. But the biggest obstacle is still around infrastructure. We see the take-up of plug-in vehicles accelerating, yet the, yes, yes, there are investments going in an infrastructure, but not at the same not pace. So um, if you have your own driveway, that's fine, but especially in terms of public charging, destination charging, that's where a lot of investment needs to go. Because what we do see is that people who drive electric vehicles then don't go back to the older technology because they're fantastic things yeah, to drive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a, you know it's, it's a critical piece of technology, not just for the industry, but for the environment. And with COP26 coming in five weeks, the industry's more than doing its bit. We're, we're hearing more and more stories coming our way of... of charging points that are that are not functioning properly or have been vandalized or so on and and you know that, that that's not actually getting us further forward no it's not good enough about one in ten charge points in the uk the survey seemed to indicate isn't working at any one time that's just not good enough you go to a country like netherlands they've got 99 percent usability what's different here um, so this needs to be addressed because the one thing you need to give to a driver to a consumer is the confidence that they'll be able to use their vehicle and recharge their vehicle as easily as they would refuel that vehicle um, and you know we are moving in the right direction but like any technological shift it's not linear it doesn't happen seamlessly it sort of done comes of it and we're at that point where you need, we need to see that investment in infrastructure yeah, certainly. I think we'd, uh, we would echo that, and certainly that will uh, get us further faster. Yeah, I think you know, with where the industry's at, over the last year, the vehicles you're seeing in forecourts now, uh, increasing electrified, the ones we see here today, so sure. many of these are elect pure electric, plug-in hybrid. These were decisions taken some 10 years ago yes. by the industry yeah. from the drawing board, developed them, refined the technology, put them onto the market. So that commitment which has cost billions to the industry, is now being demonstrated on forecourts. Manufacturers need to start making a return on that investment, so that's why they're really keen to get those vehicles into the hands of consumers. Quite so. Thank you, Mike. Much appreciated. My Thanks pleasure. for your time. Kia Sorento 1.6 TGDI, plug-in hybrid, all-wheel drive. So this is the, the Kia Sorento, and you were saying... Well, I was asking, why is it why is it so big? I mean, why it's a car, so why do we need it so big and bulky? Well, that's that's a question for most of the marketplace. I think these days, the fact is that people want bigger and bigger cars, even though the car parking spaces aren't increasing uh, at all. It, it, it is uh, a people mover, I guess, uh, and it's five seats, and this one has got uh, the two extra seats in the boot floor, so uh, potentially it's a seven seater. You know, and if you've got a lot of children, I guess if you've got a big family, it's uh, it makes a lot of sense. It's an affordable entry into sort of off-road. Uh, although it's not really off-road, but it's certainly four by four, um, so it it'll go pretty much anywhere, um, and take uh, a whole family and a large number of people there. Mm. And so, what sort of price does this sort of uh, start at? This you ask that question, I haven't got a chance of uh, answering. <laughs> so after that slight confusion then we are now in the Kia Sorento and we do know how much it is we do indeed it's sub 50,000 which is uh, as much as the uh, representative could remember with any detail so we, we seem to be driving cars today that are in the sort of high 40s um, this is certainly physically a very big car for that, for that sort of money uh, I can take my time now because there's a bus in there ahead of us. Um, yeah, more, even more beeping going on. Um, the other cars were about 10 grand more, of course. They were they were 60,000, weren't they? Yeah, this, as I say, is just under under 50. A lot of car for the money and a lot of technology. First impressions uh, are always uh, worth noting. Um, you know, the, the, the finest piano finish, piano black, as used by Beckstein and Steinway and so on. Um, all right, this is perhaps not quite in the, that league, but there's a lot of very, very shiny black plastic in here, which uh, hopefully is uh, it's not really black plastic, but it is very shiny and very black. And, and is shiny because it was just polished two minutes ago, but depends how many sticky fingers you put on it. Well, uh, you know, one of the uh, things that uh, uh, features of this car is that it's got an awful lot of seats, and I suspect as a, as a big 
family car this is uh, probably a lot for the money and a lot of seats for the money potentially a seven-seater um, and a seven-seater that you can do rather a lot with things I like about it I do like the display I like the display that's sitting in front of the driver I like the heads up which is a particular favorite feature of mine uh, I don't like the massive panoramic uh, uh, screen in the middle which is fine if you're showing a movie to kids in the back seat you know you, you could you could show your finest uh, John Ford westerns and get all the mountains in the right place um, and I'm sure the kids could see it from about 150 feet away but it's too big for, for my liking. I think that as with all these things, with sat-nav particularly, it depends whether you're used to it or not. And uh, I think I wouldn't object to that so much as the uh, disappearance of one of the dials when you put the indicators on to show you a shot of effectively behind you. Presumably it's a cyclist protection, but uh, not necessarily terribly useful on most of these occasions. No, and, and uh, another one of those things that are very d distracting. Um, I, I, I'm sort of, maybe I'm sounding a bit old and curmudgeonly about these things, but uh, there were a lot of features that perhaps seemed like a good idea at the time, and most people are uh, putting them in their, their product these days, but at the same time, they are very, very distracting. And uh, certainly, uh, were this mine, I'd be going through and turning half the features off, which um, were the major distractions. And uh, perhaps a sat nav that um, uh, is as detailed as that, which seems to want to show you half of Africa and Asia at the same time, is perhaps uh, a little bit too much. It is adjustable. Um, I am also noticing this isn't just electric. There is a switch which is between EV and HEV, which one presumes is a hybrid electric vehicle. The fact that on the dashboard it says EV uh, perhaps means that if we switch it over, it will turn into a hybrid, which I'll do when we go around this corner. Yes, and we're perfectly able to see behind us on that camera. Um, so if I press... If we weren't watching the road ahead, which is what we should be doing. Well, quite going around the corner. If I do that has it gone into a different mode it said automatic then but uh... well if it has it's uh not really detectable but then whether it should be detectable at uh, at uh, these, these yeah. speeds at sort of sub 30 miles an hour it probably isn't well, well once we clear the 30 we'll see if an engine kicks in Right, a little bit of straight road, and let's see if it does uh, have reasonable acceleration, which, yes, considering it's a big vehicle, yes, it does. And yes, having uh, sat in the passenger seat playing with uh, different buttons, I've uh, put it into sport mode. Uh, it's definitely an engine kicking in. Uh, the petrol gauge is probably a clue that it's not, <laughs> not just an electric vehicle. Uh, and suddenly we're down to what it says is 75 miles per gallon, rather than the uh, 350 or something that it was trying to tell us a moment ago. Uh, yeah, indeed. It's got a range of 260 miles uh, showing uh, in terms of the fuel. But I was going to say, next to a petrol thing. <laughs> yeah, but we don't, uh, we don't know, of course, what the range is in fully electric mode. Um, that would have been useful, but certainly, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to call what the, what the use is of this car. What, what it'll be used for, what its target audience is. My guess is, is families, and families that perhaps don't go all that far. But you know, if, if you've got the best of both worlds, and the hybrid is certainly that. We managed to avoid the large hole this time. <laughs> How could we compare if you swerve to avoid the hole? <laughs> Speleological corner. <laughs> Yeah, and we're turning left, and so half the uh, screen has once again turned into a camera, so we can now see the hedge disappearing very quickly to our left. How exciting. And the big oil in the road. I guess it's probably quite useful to stop you from clipping the curb, but uh, if you're looking at a screen down there, you're probably uh, more likely to clip the curb. So yeah, so these country roads, we seem to be uh, 
managing to go through all the bumps uh, quite happily. Uh, what's it like in the back? It's a, quite a smooth ride in the back, but um, I still think that the seats in the back are a little bit set up too high, and I just feel that if one was to do an emergency stop, that I would quite freely fly forward quite easily, whereas if you've got more of a bucket type seat where it's set more into the floor, I just feel it's much safer. And also the armrest is uh, not actually level, it, it slopes down, and whereas it should be more, uh, you know, a, a level height, so you'd spill your coffee and burn yourself, but it's uncomfortable as well, you're slipping down, so it should really be more at a level height, so I think maybe, I don't know, that's just a somebody's got that a little bit wrong or maybe there's a reason for it, I don't know. But uh, apart from that, I mean, it is comfortable in the back and it is very spacious and I do like the slide-up blinds on the passenger seats at the back so that it's too bright, you know, you can dim that sunlight a little bit and just keep it cooler. And the seats are well padded and uh, they're, they're almost sort of cushioned and quilted. Uh, on the on your derriere, so it's a nice support there. There are a few nice touches, like the um, the, the, the quilting look, uh, on the bit of probably maybe metal in front of me. It's got an interesting pattern on it, and it's, it's these little things that it's the detail. In here, we've got um, a diamondy pattern in front of me, and on the door panel, uh, I suspect it's plastic, not metal, but it's a metal look. Uh, yeah, I, it's interesting. I mean, I do, I do like the the, the interior, and I think it's uh, probably quite practical as well. Um, we were commenting a, a, a moment or two ago about the ride. It, it is quite a firm ride, but I guess uh, these are big wheels, big tyres, but relatively low-profile tyres. I think they were. Uh, I noticed as we were getting in 55s. So yes, tough. Um, but the the corollary of, 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 of sort of toughness, I guess, is a fairly stiff ride, and it it, it is compared to uh, other cars we've driven so far today. It's 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 quite firm. It's quite firm, and uh, your display is now also giving a possibly slightly more uh, honest uh, 51 miles per gallon. So yes, the fact we've actually been driving it more than 30 miles an hour in the countryside it's becoming a little bit more petrol orientated uh, yeah quite so um, the, the, the the test I think I've been talking about earlier is whether you could drive this over long distances um, certainly as a, a as a petrol car as a hybrid yes indeed you could it's also got a touch of the um Alice in Wonderland feel about it, you know, when she's sitting at the Mad Hatter's tea party in that massive chair and uh, they all look so tiny. It does look a bit like that inside, you know, sort of everything's gigantic, you know, the, the chairs and then you just feel quite petite sort of in it. You, you did say Graham looked quite small as he climbed into the driver's yeah. seat, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's not, it's not a very big car, to be fair, really inside, well, I don't it's, think. It's, it's quite long, but not wide. Using another, uh, even more bizarre analogy, perhaps uh, the Doctor Who's TARDIS, it, it, it seems bigger inside than it is outside. See, I just said it was the other way around, oddly enough, because I, mean, I feel as if I'm being cocooned quite well in the passenger seat here. I don't feel that there's a huge amount of space. Yeah, you're taller and bigger than us, Andrew, anyway. Well, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not being rude. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, but I mean, that that's, would be the kind of fat person driving the car, surely. <laughs> more like me. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm stopping recording now. <laughs> Nissan Cash Pie, Techno Plus. So, uh, having just enjoyed a very pleasant lunch and uh, far too many chocolate puddings, uh, we are now in what Graham has just described as the best selling crossover, something or other. But uh, I would know it better as the current new generation uh, Nissan Cash Pie. Yes, given the, the size of the lunch, we opted for a slightly larger than usual vehicle. <laughs> we thought we'd need some space. Uh, no, I, I, it is about space, isn't it? I mean, this is why this car's sold millions. This is uh, a new uh, generation, the third generation, I think it is, uh, of the Qashqai. It's a hugely successful vehicle. And as they told us a wee while ago, this is a if you like a, a saloon family car grown large rather than 
uh, a massive vehicle shrunk a little. Um, it has um, all the features I think one would uh, expect now, include an irritating set of lane assisting lights, which on a country road are a pain in the um, in the uh, cash guy. So what does it drive like? Well, yeah, it drives very well, and I wouldn't have expected any any less. You know, there's there's um, they've sold uh, millions and millions and millions of these, and as uh, Nissan keep telling us, they listen to their customers, and their customers talk to their engineers and um, uh, inform them as to uh, anything that they. They feel one's changing. I mean, to, to, to be fair, you say that as if it's the normal thing. I suspect most car manufacturers don't listen to what we're saying. Well, uh, without naming names, there are one or two that notably don't listen to their customers um, and continue producing vehicles that don't quite hit the mark. The evidence is in the numbers. They have sold millions of these throughout Europe. Uh, it's one of the biggest sellers of its type in the UK. We and built in the UK as well. We were being told, and built in the UK, and, which and is, designed everything else. Yep, that's it's a wonderful thing in itself. You'd almost think that they were a UK manufacturer. Well, I guess by that definition, they certainly are. Uh, with the uh, Nissan uh, ancestry, perhaps, but a well, that was close. Um, and they're making the buses wider than they ought to down <laughs> here as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that far over. A familiar interior here now, the fully LCD or digitally type displays, big screen in the middle, and this one's at least got a few more knobs in the middle to play with for simple things like uh, heat and fan though. Yeah, I'd sort of get the impression that this is not overly complicated with, with push buttons. Um, the controls are a little more conventional. Um, the screen rather looks like it's been sort of planted on as an afterthought and, and that um, that uh, seemed to be a thing very much a few years ago now they're usually better integrated but I think it, it, isn't it because to get the height so your eye doesn't move so far away without making the dashboard bits much much bigger and much higher no quite so and that, that is uh, the, the, the reason why they do this and, and it, it is effective um, and Even it, if it, it does look a bit odd. <laughs> well, it, it does, but then uh, it's not as imposing as many as the screen, of, of the screens that we've seen uh, today. It's, it's um, uh, clear. Uh, it's not too far off the eye line. But again, and I, I, I keep commenting on this, it's got a heads-up display which tells you both the speed limit and the fact that I'm a little over it. There we are. Let's, let's adjust the speed limit. Uh, and the, the sat-nav system will be portrayed on that screen as well. You, you would think it's a relatively simple technology. It's been in military use for tens of years. It's one of those technologies that was uh, the province of very, very high-end cars, very much more luxurious, very much more expensive cars, uh, and is now sort of working its way down market. And good news, it is. Anything that prevents us taking our eyes off the road uh, it's a good thing. It, it, did you see the? Yeah, I, I could hear a buzzing there. Yeah, I've got the, the light flashing. The vibration in the steering wheel now on a very narrow country road. Every time I go anywhere near the centre line, which uh, you know on, on, on a narrow B road, which I guess this is, it, it is something that I would probably want to turn off. I find it very distracting. If you if you spend most of your time on a motorway. It's a very good idea. I mean, it is very, very good technology in its place, and on a narrow, twisting country road, is not its place. Uh, I'm not going to very quick and easily be able to switch that off. But it's worth a try. Uh, as with all the other cars we've been in, uh, several different modes. It seems to be that you can't just get in a car and drive it anymore. You have to select your mode. And uh, you've started off in standard there. Uh, it seems to go reasonably happy. It's uh, not terribly loud. It's riding the bumps reasonably well. Does the job, doesn't it? Oh, exactly. It does the job. Um, uh, it, it's for uh, the money. I'm sure it's very good value. Well, we haven't spoken about money yet. Well, you we, see. we haven't. Got do, to you money don't know yet. how much it is, do you? 
No, I don't. Uh, no, this is. Uh, we'll, we'll carry on the guessing game. There's a couple of things I, I did want to mention. Um, it is very much designed as a family car. That's particularly notable with the interior. There's loads and loads of storage space. Uh, and one of the features that uh, we were directed towards, which I did particularly like, was the 90 degree opening uh, doors at the back, which makes it very easy to load uh, children uh, in and out in their baby seats, in their child seats. Um, yes, that makes that uh, a lot easier. One has to be rather more careful in supermarket car parks than might otherwise be the case because you know this this car we've already commented on is the third generation during that time the car has physically got bigger like most cars are unfortunately car parking spaces have either stayed the same or with really really greedy um, uh, local authorities particularly the spaces have actually got smaller uh, while the cars are getting bigger which does seem to be um, uh, the exact opposite of what's actually needed. And how are things in the back? You seem uh, content, and I can see uh, those quilted pattern in the seats again. The back is um, similar to maybe two or three of the other cars that we've tried today. Um, I don't know why they all seem to be black leather. It's a shame that you don't get more of the cream leather. I think it's blue, this because the cream leather doesn't show doesn't show up all the marks that the, the dark leathers do. Um, you've got that nice quilting going on. Again, so there's a bit of padding on the, your back and your posterior, which is good. A nice sturdy drive, yes. So if the uh, Kia Sorento that we were in before lunch was about 50 grand, uh, do we have any guesses about how much you think this one is? That's it, roughly about the same, I think. It's, um, although the other one was bigger, I just think you've got lots of other little extras on this that would probably make up an equal price. So it's about 50,000, I'd say. About 50,000. Uh, what, what do you think, Graham? Well, I, I, I'm perhaps being slightly led astray by the fact that the gentleman demonstrating it to us initially was suggesting that it was the top of the Qashqai range. So, yeah, I would go for somewhere in the low 50s, but that, that's still uh, a lot of money. Okay, well I've got the bit of paper in front of me and uh, this particular vehicle which has a ceramic grey pearlescent uh, paint on the outside and a two-tone ceramic grey and pearl black roof for which you're paying an extra thousand or something pound but it is £37,270. Well, there you go. I think that would explain its marketing success. That is very, very good value for money. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I suspect that the fact that it is petrol, I mean, it's a Qashqai Tecna Plus, I think this bit of paper is trying to tell me, but this hasn't got a dash next to it, which suggests it's plus and minus, but Tecna Plus, which, yes, top of the range, but 158 PS, uh, and it's uh, presumably relatively economical. Uh, if I look down a bit further... But interestingly, if you, don't, if you don't make the top of the range very, very high... Uh, you, you make the whole range more affordable uh, in terms of, uh, of a family purchase because you know th that is what this is. This is a family purchase typically. The combined MPG 43, so not terribly good, not terribly bad, you know, for a uh, 1.3 petrol. It's so, 1 well, 1,332 cc's. I, I would have thought it, it was probably a 1600, I have to say. It, it certainly, certainly doesn't feel like a too small engine, does it? No, it doesn't. It certainly doesn't. Well, all round then, if you're uh, paying about 13 grand less than we thought, uh, what else could you buy for that instead? Then you can have a little MG or something <laughs> to go with it. <laughs> yes, if you've got enough room in the garage, you could uh, have a, a weekend car. A horse on the road. There you go, we're horse in the country. Horse with a flashing colour. I hope nothing's coming up fast behind it, that would be my uh, worry. Um, oh, hello. <laughs> I, know, I wonder when the camera kicked in at that point. Yeah, automatically switching to the camera, probably because we slowed down, presumably it th thought we were parking or something perhaps. But uh, uh, Perhaps because uh, I was a little closer to the car in front 
because obviously we were going very, very slowly yeah. past the horse, and it decided it wasn't happy with that gap. I don't know, I'm guessing. Why are the B posts on these things <laughs> so wide these days on these angled junctions? Safety. And it's got uh, various USB plugs around the whole vehicle. Uh, it's got a wireless Apple CarPlay and a wireless battery charging for your phone as well in the uh, mat just in front here. Yeah, that's a feature that's appearing on more and more cars. And, and well, it's a good idea, yes. I, I think rather than uh, loads and loads of trailing cables, it does seem to be a more successful way of... Uh, dealing with these things, certainly from a design point of view. Yes, if your bit of kit works with a uh, wireless charger, it's probably ideal. Apart from it doesn't seem to be anything to hold it down, which worries me a little bit, but it is on a rubbery mat there. But uh, yes, it, it's just part of the game, isn't it, that uh, do you buy a car just because it goes with your phone? Well, I suspect that if I was spending 37 grand on a car, uh, and perhaps 1,000 on a phone, I think I know which one I would choose first. DS3 Crossback, E-Tense. This is uh, our last car of the day. At the other uh, extreme, if you like, size-wise, we've driven some sort of mid-sized cars or been driving mid-sized cars all day. This is quite a lot smaller. Um, DS Automobiles, uh, DS being these days the sort of premium end of, of the Citroen range, although they're... They're two disparate ranges, really, but the, the ancestry certainly is uh, is Citroen. Um, uh, but this is the DS3. This is all electric. The DS3 Crossback E-Tense Ultra Prestige. And I'll make that same joke again that that does tend to reflect in the price. Because this is nearly £40,000, £39,550. Which seems quite a lot for a super mini, effectively. Uh, it does seem a lot for the size of car it is. What have we got? 50 kilowatt lithium-ion battery, service interval 100,000 miles. At least you don't have to pay any VED, um, because yes. that's, uh, well, yeah, that may well change. Uh, transmission single-speed auto, which means it'll do what it wants, whether you like it or not. It does actually feel quite nippy on the uh, the twisty stuff. You've got, uh, I think, eco-normal and sport modes, if you so wish. Try it in sport on the windy, windy bit. See if it's uh, any firmer. It feels quite, uh, Good for rallying, quite grippy and um, Good car. yeah, quite, uh, quite impressed actually so far. It does seem firmer. The, this, yeah. the steering certainly weighted up a bit because that was the one thing in the car park that I was using one finger to turn the steering. Yeah, which is very, very, very light. So, for, for my taste, I, I think the following of the uh, the, the, the DS Diamonds, um, which they've had right from the very first one, uh, is I, I find it slightly overdone in this because perhaps because it's all very much smaller. But I don't know. Uh, that's for me personally. What do you think, Andrew? You're actually driving it. Uh, again, it, it's nippy. Being electric, you've uh, got all of that uh, talk there straight away. We're uh, cruising along quite happily at 60, perhaps a little bit noisier than the other cars we've been in. But then, smaller car, can you expect as much sound deadening and things in that? I don't know. But uh, I've, I've already switched off the uh, lane assist type thing, because uh, uh, on the country windy bits it was uh, trying to push me further into the hedge than perhaps I'd have liked, which wasn't so pleasant, but uh, no, very, very nice. 40 grams worth? Big question mark? Yeah, certainly a big question mark and um, there's something else you touched on there which is perhaps about it being uh, slightly noisy. Yes, there is certainly more road noise than some of the other cars of a similar price range that we've driven today. Um, and one wonders whether one of the things that, uh, you know, it's all about uh, lengthening the range and part of that has been lightening the load and one wonders whether some of the... Um, the noise deadening material is perhaps not as uh, super thick as it might otherwise be. I don't know. Is this one of the tricks that the manufacturers are doing now to reduce weight? Well, presumably they go on the theory it doesn't need as much noise as an engine would. So, I don't know. But it's, obviously it's road noise we're hearing on this bit now, isn't it? 
Yeah, and perhaps in reality we're, we've got so used to uh, uh, hearing engine noise that we um, pay less regard to the um, road noise. But you know, they, these do seem to be quite noisy tyres, quite noisy suspension. We uh, are in sport mode. <laughs> perhaps it's stiffened everything up a bit. So well, it's, a bit it's, it's worth, by way of comparison, going back into. Um, yeah, the eco mode. How is the steering? Yeah, so it's, it started off quite light, but as we've been speeding up, it's got to a little bit firmer. I don't know what mode, I think we're back in normal mode now. Uh, I think I pressed that button before we got to the corner. Uh, so yes, it's not stiff stiff, but it's not, it's not heavy by any stretch of the imagination. It's actually it's a reasonably pleasant, quite direct it seems. Obviously it's uh, probably electrically assisted in a varying way and um, I mean, range wise um, it says it's half full at the moment and it's telling me 72 miles now whether that's you know 150 mile range it's been driven by fellow enthusiastic motoring journalists all day uh, that might have nudged it down quite a lot but uh, what range does it claim well it, it, it suggests that its range is uh, somewhere between 206 and 191 well, no, that's probably believable. It's it yeah, it's it's uh, fairly believable, but but uh, not spectacular. It's again, it's in the sort of the median range of where we're we're currently at. It, I'm I'm not sure that you would uh, buy this vehicle if you regularly uh, commuted long distances. Um, well, you would would you buy a small car if you were planning that? Really, I mean, it's I mean sensible though it probably is. It's not necessarily what people do, is it? No, uh, I think if you're you know, commuting long distances or using it for long distances regularly, this is probably not the vehicle for you. Uh, it's a bit perhaps like uh, commuting on the M25 in a Renault Twizy. Might be fun occasionally, but it's not something you do regularly with any great deal of enjoyment. Um, no disrespect to the Renault Twizy, of course. So I'm just, just comparing the different modes on this straight bit caught up with a Fiesta which is unfortunate but I shall just back off a little bit and see how the acceleration is in sport in comparison to the other two. Oh yes that's <laughs> that, a, a marked difference the if you put it into eco it's I mean if you're toodling around the town it's probably absolutely ideal uh, out on nice country roads sport much more fun. I quite like the uh, dash layout uh, in as much as it, it seems to have all the information you would want, but it's not garishly overladen. You know, it's quite small, um, but it's got it's got what you need without being excessive. You know, it's 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 uh, some manufacturers rather get carried away with their buttons. And it's got uh, the obligatory automatic windscreen wipers, which have. Uh now kicked in, it's slightly drizzly, so I, I touched it once and it said that they switched on, so uh, reassuring. I think it's, it's probably fairly well specced, isn't it, for a, a small car? Well, yes, uh, I mean, it, it should be at that price. Uh, that is what you would expect of, of DS, you, you wouldn't expect it to be uh, uh, your average motor car. It's a small car, physically small car. Uh, with a lot crowded into it and you know that I guess has to reflect in, in, in the price point but it is uh, quite expensive for the package it is but it, it seems to do everything well or more than well very well <laughs> well or more than well <laughs> yeah. well as it should since it's got at least three names well yes there's somewhat of a plethora of names sort of chocolate box special. Ultra Prestige! <laughs> Perhaps if you turn the box upside down it's actually stamped on the bottom so you can identify it. No, don't try this at home folks. <laughs> well, interesting day. Uh, we're now at the end of it and we're weary and we've walked miles, well not walked miles, we've driven miles. Interesting road course mix of driving conditions and uh, we've had an interesting play with a selection of cars. We've tried to be a fairly broad church on the cars that we've driven and we've had some uh, some interesting drives. Yeah, I think curiously enough my favourite, in inverted commas, strangely, was that last one we drove, the little electric DS, which I suspect I wouldn't have said if you'd <laughs> asked me at the beginning of the day. 
it, I think I just quite like little nippy electric cars. I think this, this is growing on me in a big way. It's just a shame that the 40 grand price tag is probably just outside my price range for a little while. You've got to think about the manufacturers that put all their money into creating these cars and the technology that goes into it all, and we forget that, and the people that do all the work you know, behind the scenes, and we think of the glamour of these fast cars, but we forget you know, the very basics, and that's what it's all about, really. Uh, we're I moving you're on. Are telling me that the 40 grand price tag is worth it? It depends on which, <laughs> which car that is, but um, it's really nice to be able to come and, and look at the different cars and, and just see what the designers are putting into it and so on and, you know, what they can do. It's a, bit, a little bit like being in a sweet shop with just so much there to choose from. So just to say thanks to SMMT again, you know, for inviting us and letting us try out some of this stuff. To be fair, there are too many things to choose and we spent the whole day saying if this was the job you wanted the car to do this would be the car and then we moved on to the next car and said if this is the job you wanted the car to do. So I think we've come away as vague as we began it, not really knowing what it would be that we would uh, actually to personally take away ourselves. It's a tool to do a job like anything, you know, you're on a computer, you can sit on it all day, you want to do something, it's a tool to do that job, do it and finish. The same with a car. You want to go somewhere, you want to go somewhere far, you take a car that's going to be endurance and take you along. If you want to get there quick, you take a smaller car and that's what it's about, you know, really looking at that job, that tool to do that job. And I'm sure the marketing people feel exactly the same way. <laughs> and as you can detect, loquacity runs in the family. <laughs> it's catching. <laughs> UK Motor Talk, a first take media production.